One of the things that I don't think people understand is that all protein, all the essential amino acids that are the building blocks for protein, originate in plants. That's where it all originates. That's where like the true nutritional engine for all and anything that's beneficial and good in nutrition lives in plants. That's where it all originates from. So your proteins, right? If an animal has protein, it either directly or indirectly got it from plants, right? If it's got vitamins, it either directly or indirectly got it from plants. If it's got minerals, same thing, right? That's where it all starts. That's Rip Esselstyn, and this is the Rich Roll Podcast. The Rich Roll Podcast. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Greetings. What is the latest? How are you feeling? Are you good? Are you grateful? Are you ready for the holidays? Are you ready to celebrate Christmas? Are you enjoying Hanukkah? Are you prepared for the new year? I hope so. I'm trying to get there myself. My name is Rich Roll. I'm your host. Welcome or welcome back to my podcast, the show where each week I go deep, I go long form with some of the most compelling, interesting paradigm-breaking minds and personalities across all categories of health, wellness, fitness, diet, nutrition, athletics, uh, what else, creativity, spirituality, mindfulness, social advocacy, and so much more. Great show for you guys today. My buddy, Rip Esselstyn, finally, finally on the podcast. Rip is a guy I've wanted to have on the show since day one, and I think timing is perfect because... His message is such a great and powerful way to end 2017. This is my last long-form interview episode of the year. I have two more shows before 2018. That's a two-part best of anthology uh, series that I'm going to be releasing part one on Christmas Day, part two on New Year's Day, where I excerpt some of the best conversations of the year. But this conversation with Rip, Last long form interview of the year. For those that don't know uh, who Rip is, Rip is a former three-time All-American swimmer from the University of Texas, an extraordinary talent. We're around the same age, and Rip and I uh, would be at the same swim meets when we were kids growing up. And when I was swimming at Stanford, we swam against Texas. We kind of knew each other a little bit. Rip was always a much better swimmer than I. Uh, And then when Rip graduated from Texas, he became a pro triathlete, a very successful pro triathlete, something he pursued for about a decade before becoming a firefighter in Austin, Texas. And his tenure in the Engine 2 firehouse in Austin presented his real first opportunity to introduce his passion for a whole food plant-based diet to other people, to his fellow firefighters in the firehouse. It's a long story that we get into in the podcast. It's fascinating. But essentially, he ended up really restoring the health and vitality of a variety of his colleagues. And this was something that got picked up in the press and got a lot of attention, and he ended up documenting this experience, this success that he had uh, in this extraordinary national best-selling book called The Engine 2 Diet, which just exploded. It really catalyzed this plant-strong revolution that Rip is behind and demonstrated the irrefutable connection between eating a plant-based diet and good health. So Rip is this 
Plant Strong pioneer, a guy who has been advocating the benefits of a whole food plant-based diet to prevent and reverse disease and also power even the craziest athletic feats. He's been doing this for a very long time, and he's really not only a good friend of mine, but somebody who was a source of inspiration and has been a mentor to me for many, many years, like a big brother, the big brother that I never, ever had. And this Engine 2 diet book was instrumental in my transition, my evolution. And it was succeeded by a whole series of books that that Rip has written over the years, including a book called My Beef with Meat, which is fantastic, and two new books over the last year, the first of which is an accelerated Take No Prisoner seven-day detox called the Engine 2 7-Day Rescue Diet that came out last January, and Rip's most recent book, The Engine 2 Cookbook, which is a true cookbook with over 130 super delicious plant-strong recipes with gorgeous photography, and that hits bookstores everywhere the day after Christmas, December 26th. You should definitely pick that up. It's an amazing book. And I got a couple more things I want to say about Rip and our conversation to come, including a fan email that I'm very excited to read. But first... brought to you today by on i am a total gearhead i love researching the latest technology for the sports i enjoy and i've learned that people often overlook apparel but what you wear isn't just clothes it is without a doubt technology technology that can make or break a performance and i can tell you after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at on labs in zurich that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics and just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor-fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team. From increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because, unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem, a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support, and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers 
to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple. Search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life in recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. What is the meaning of life? What happens when we die? What is our purpose here? If like me, you ponder these delicious existential questions, I have got just the thing for you. It's called Soul Boom. It's a podcast hosted by everyone's favorite best friend and my friend, the deep thinking and deeply hilarious Rain Wilson, where he communes with intellectuals and entertainers, theologians and philosophers in intimate exchanges that tickle the mind, heart, and yes, the soul. Subscribe to Soul Boom on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. All right, can I read a fan mail? I read a fan mail. Read an email from a fan. Can I do that? It's been a couple of weeks. Let me do that. Uh, I'm going to keep this one anonymous, though, just for safety. It goes like this. Hey, Rich and Julie, I'm a mom, and I'm also a clinical neuropsychologist in a neurology practice about one hour south of Chicago. I have always thought that I have been a healthy eater, as I have avoided beef and pork, but ate fowl and fish. My brother-in-law is a vegan and follows you and sent me a link to your podcast with the neurologists who discuss diet and Alzheimer's. This is my practice specialty as I see patients with suspected dementia to assess. I also have three generations of Alzheimer's looking me square in the face in my family history. I'm about two weeks in and I'm holding out on fish, specifically wild-caught salmon. The chicken and turkey that I've been eating were easy to let go, as was the dairy, surprisingly. I cannot tell you how much better I feel and cannot thank you enough for your message, energy, and spirit. Your story is truly inspiring. I have your wife's cheese book, and it is fantastic. Watching my dad and aunt race to the finish line with the disease has been devastating. I have found new strength in dealing with it and eating clean and have been incorporating much of this advice to my patients in just two weeks. I've talked our hospital cafeteria into almond milk, parenthetical soy sucks and can't be drank by many cancer patients, and have shared Julie's book with two medical residents, one of whom is going into GI. This is huge given her potential influence on the dietary habits of her patients in the future. Any advice that you have for me in taking the final step of stopping fish would be appreciated. I'm really proud of what I have already accomplished. I feel a shift in my perspective not just in the nutrition aspect, but in the energy of my plate now. I begin yoga teacher training in January as well. I take great comfort and strength in listening to your podcast and feel like that I am really included in conversations with like-minded people, which is scary considering that I work in a hospital that more people don't think this way. Thanks for being such great human beings. Okay, 
Uh, that's an amazing email to receive. Uh, I really appreciate it. It's just amazing uh, to to get something like that and to understand that this podcast that's going out into the world um, is impacting people and that there's a cascade effect, like the fact that this person is now incorporating this into their neurology practice, is changing the way that, that patients are being treated, sharing the information, and that having a ripple effect on other doctors and how they practice medicine. I mean, it's just inspiring. And it's a tribute to the amazing work of Dr. Shirzai, who I had on the podcast. Uh, but also just thank you for um, for sharing that with me. And as far as the fish thing goes, uh, the only advice I can give you, well, the first thing I guess I would ask you is, why are you holding on to it? Is it because of the taste? Is it because you think it has nutrition that you think you can't get elsewhere that you need? Uh, in either uh, aspect of it, just let it go. Don't overthink it. Look, did you have it today? Can you go a day without it? Do it one day at a time. That's one day. You did that. Maybe do another day. You know, Take the time to pay attention to how you feel, chronicle it, and go from there. But I would say, overall, you've made an amazing shift, and I just want to validate and applaud that. That's an incredible um, shift in behavior and perspective in a very short period of time, and it, it just warms my heart that you would share that with me. So thank you. Okay. Rip Esselstyn. Uh, one of the amazing things about Rip is beyond the fact that we have a bunch of history and we kind of go way back, what I love about Rip is that his advocacy, the books that he writes, what he stands for, everything that he does isn't just him. It's a family affair. It is carrying on the legacy of his amazing father, Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn, and the incredible work that he has been doing his whole life. Uh, it's work that also involves Rip's sister, his mom, these incredible retreats that they host all over America, the annual plant stock event at the family farm. Uh, it's really an extraordinary uh, expression of love and a true gift to humanity, the expression of this incredible family. Um, and I'm just pleased beyond to be able to sit down with Rip and to share his powerful message with you guys today. And this is a great conversation. Again, it's one that I've been wanting to have ever since I started the podcast. And it's a conversation that covers a ton of ground. We talk about Rip's origin story, what it's like to be the son of Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn. We talk about his career as a swimmer, as a triathlete, as an athlete, even to this day. Uh, we discuss a variety of other diets, paleo, Atkins, and ketogenic. We talk about Rip's post-athletic career as a firefighter, the origin of the Engine 2 program. We talk about his relationship with Whole Foods. Uh, what else do we talk about? Basically, we talk about, in essence, the power of plants to heal and empower you. That's it, that's all you need to know. So without further ado, I love this guy, I love this conversation, uh, and let's just do it, let's get into it. Here is my conversation with Rip Esselstyn. So finally, after five years of doing the podcast, I'm, I'm finally getting the opportunity to sit down and talk to you. From the moment I started this podcast, you were, you know, n number one, top of the list guy that I wanted to get with. And, and uh, it's taken this long to make it happen, but I'm super stoked to be sitting here to, to unpack your story, Rep. Me too, me too. Here we are. I know, it's amazing. We had a great swim this morning. You uh -huh. got to kick my butt up and down the pool. Show me what's what. That felt good. Uh, you were doing awesome considering, uh, you know, listen, you've been, you've been traveling a lot. You haven't been swimming much. It was, it I was don't fun travel to, like you. It was fun to get in the water and just shake it up a little bit. Yeah, it was fun. It was cool. Yeah. So I should say at the outset that um, just to kind of create a little bit of context, 
when I began my plant-based journey, um, I stumbled across your Facebook page. This must have been 2000, sometime in 2006. When did Engine 2 come out? Engine 2 officially came out in February 25th, 2009. 2009. Okay. Yeah. So when I so maybe it was a little bit later, maybe 2007, but I know that you were like working on it, yeah, I believe oh yeah. at the time and it hadn't come out. Yeah. And we didn't really know each other, but I knew your name from swimming. Uh, and we had been at the same meets growing up as kids. You went to Mercersburg where my sister swam, you know, and yeah. I had followed your career at Texas and we had had dual meets against each other and the like. And I just remember, I very vividly recall looking at your Facebook page. At some point I must have sought you out to be a friend and you accepted it even though we didn't. I was like, you know, following old swimmers or whatever. And I can't remember exactly what you were posting about, but it had to do with the book and kind of this movement that you're in and what you were working on. And it was right at the time when I was stepping into this and I was like, wow, this guy, he swam and he's doing this. And I think out of the blue, I sent you a message on Facebook and you responded and we started a little bit of a dialogue at that point. And here we are. Yeah. It's so crazy yeah. to sit back and look at what you've built and the number of lives that you have impacted with your work and your books and your advocacy and what your family as a collective unit has mm -hmm. been able to accomplish is really nothing short of extraordinary. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks a lot, Rich. I mean, yeah, it's been an amazing, uh, it's been an amazing journey. It's been an amazing path. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we've, we've both been on our own uh, amazing journey uh, being, being advocates for, for, for plant-based nutrition. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, my my journey started in 19, really 1987 is when I kind of plunged mm -hmm. into this, and in large part because of my, I shouldn't say in large part, but really because of my father's research at the Cleveland Clinic. Right, so explain that a little bit for yeah. people that don't know. Yeah, so uh, for any listener that doesn't know who my father is, he... Um, he wrote a book called Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease, and really it's based upon his work at the Cleveland Clinic going back to 1984. And uh, he got really just sick and tired of, of surgery as a means of trying to address uh, a lot of breast cancer. Um, and so he was like, you know what, in my lifetime it w will be probably pretty hard to show that we can prevent and reverse breast cancer by eating this way. But I know that you, you can do it. I, I'm betting that you can do it with heart disease. And so by eating to save your heart, you're also saving your breasts and your prostate and you know, all these other things. But what gave him that idea to begin with? Like when did he begin his own journey with this way of eating yeah. and living? Yeah, well, you know what? So I think he started looking at uh, a lot of the epidemiological studies that were out there. He um, saw this research that had been done on green monkeys, where they were able to reverse the heart disease in green monkeys. Um, so they basically fed them food that gave them these um, atherosclerotic plaques. And then they would give them a, a primarily a, a whole food plant-based diet, and then they were able to reverse it. So he's like, wow, if it can be done in green monkeys, and you, we have cultures on the planet that for the most part have no heart disease, very little cancer, obesity, I bet you we can do it. So he took, he asked the cardiology department at the Cleveland Clinic to send him the bottom of the barrel patients that mm -hmm. had been turned down for another bypass or uh, um, 
uh, angioplasty, stent, all those things. And uh, over the course of like a year and a half, he got 22 patients. Uh, and five years later, they're still alive. 10 years later, they're still alive. 15 years later, they're still alive. 20 years later, they're still alive. And these are remember these are the Walking Dead, right? And now all of a sudden they're the walk, you know, they're the Walking Alive. They're like, they're 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 having very amazing, fruitful lives again. And, um, and this was back in the late seventies. So this is it? no, this this all started in nineteen eighty four. Oh, eighty four. Okay, nineteen eighty four at the Cleveland Clinic, and so I got to see what he was doing from nineteen eighty four to nineteen eighty, yeah, to nineteen eighty seven. I, I graduated from UT in December of 1986, and that's when I was off the ath- athletic training table fair of s- mm-hmm. steaks and burgers and chicken and pizzas and all that you know crazy stuff. And I immediately started eating this way. And you know, and one of my heroes in the sport of triathlon, Dave Scott, uh, six-time winner of the Hawaii Ironman triathlon, had been following this particular way of eating. And so I'm, I was to me, it was like a slam dunk. Right. I, I'm, in, I'm in. I'm sold. Health performance. I don't. I don't need any more, any more, uh, you know, data or convincing. I'm sold. And when your dad began doing this, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I read somewhere that this wasn't exactly a popular protocol at the Cleveland Clinic because they make their money on surgery, right? And suddenly he's helping all these people, and they don't have to go under the knife anymore. Right. No, that's you, you bring up a very a very good point there. So sixty percent, roughly sixty percent of the Cleveland Clinic's revenue comes from the cardiology department. Mm. Right? Wow. From doing all these, you know, you know, surgeries, stents, angioplasties, it's crazy. And uh, so he uh, he was not looked upon very favorably at the Cleveland Clinic. But, you know, luckily he um, he, he he's pretty self-confident when he's found the truth and he's mm-hmm. gonna like you know have that be his, his his guiding light and he didn't care I mean people were calling him dr. Sprouts in the mail he would get uh, envelopes that had you know tree bark in it you know, with no return address <laughs> right, right. I mean it's crazy uh, what people were doing but he held he held fast to his guns he knew he was you know barking up the right tree Um and you know, lo and behold, I think it was within three, four years, he had proof of concept mm-hmm. that yes, uh, this is re- this disease is reversible. And then he's been doing this now. This is the longest running uh, study of its kind. I mean, it's still ongoing, and it's now you know thirty five years later, right. and he's been written up in you know probably close to eight or nine different medical journey journals. His latest that came out in two thousand fourteen was the American. Was in the American Journal of, um, I think it was Family Practice, uh, where he went back and he looked at 200 patients that he had, that he had counseled to find out what the compliance was, compliance rate was like. Four years later, guess what? It, guess what? Guess what? what it was? I don't know. Four years high, later. right? It was 90 percent. Wow, that's amazing. 90 percent. 90 percent of the people still maintaining still this program. Maintaining mm-hmm. that program, like hitting it out of the park, and of the Remaining 10% that didn't follow the program, what's interesting is 67% of those 10%, 20, roughly 22, 23 people, had either passed away, had another heart attack, stroke, surgery, and of the 167 that stayed with the protocol, one male had a small stroke. Mm. So pretty, pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean, that high rate 
does not surprise me. You know, I've met so many of these people by participating in, in, you know, some of your events. And I've met a lot of these people who have literally, literally been brought back from the brink. And they're so evangelical because their health has turned around so dramatically and yeah. unexpectedly. And they're just all about it. Like, yeah. there's no way they're going back. Yeah. I mean, some of these people were so bad off. Um, imagine that you're in a wheelchair. You're, you're, you're getting cardi cardiac disability. Uh, because you can't go to work because you're so far gone that you're now in a wheelchair because your angina is so bad that you can't even stand up. Some of these, some of these, hi, hi, these men, their angina was so bad just to shave in the morning. Just this motion right here, right, was so severe that they had to put basically uh, um, nitric nitric oxide paste, mm. uh, nitric nitroglycerin paste on their uh, on their right around here, right? Just so they could shave in the morning. Wow. I mean, I don't think anybody realizes how far gone and how bad off these patients were. Half of them, almost half of them, were given what's called a diagnosis of end-stage heart disease, which means you have less than a year to live. Wow. You know, and the doctor's order, marching orders were, go home and get all your affairs in order. And it's one thing to talk about prevention, and it's another thing entirely to talk about reversal, but when you see the before yeah. and after angiograms in your dad's book, it's it's shocking, you know, to see that reversal of what happens when you go on this protocol and yeah. you can actually <laughs> yeah. open up those arteries again and the plaque clears up and suddenly the blood is flowing in a way that it hasn't in many years. Yeah, it's, it's flowing, just unbelievable, profusing the heart, and that's why you know people are like ninety percent. How could th th he have that kind of compliance? Like, imagine if your life has been basically whittled down to the point to where you're in a wheelchair, you have no life whatsoever, you can't even walk without you know, pain, discomfort, and now you're also have your erectile dysfunction. And now, a year, six months into the program, you're like, you have no more chest pain, you're walking, you're playing tennis, you're dancing with your wife, you're having sex with your wife, you're gonna be intimate again. I mean, wow, I mean, you can't put a price tag on that stuff. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So he's doing this back in 1984. It was a very different time. Uh, the receptivity <laughs> certainly wasn't what it was, you know, what it is today. Uh, and it's got to be so gratifying, you know, for him and for all of you and your family to yeah. see kind of culture catch up and embrace this. Oh, it's it's uh, it's amazing because I I know when he started this in 1984, it was a completely different world as far as like em embracing this. And now, 2017, um, you know, we've got, we, everywhere I turn now, I see a book about eating, you know, plant-based. You've got all these documentaries that are out there. Um, he, and he's, and he and Colin, it's Colin Campbell, right. you know, and Forks Over Knives. Um, you know, in, in their own right, they now have been elevated to the status of almost, you know, celebrities mm -hmm. in, in the, in the plant-based world. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and and again, to me, it's a testament of, of these two, you know, one clinician, one kind of scientist that stuck to their guns. They knew that they were doing the right thing, and um, and they've both made such an impact on, yeah. on people's health and this whole movement. So let's talk about the specific the specifics of of what the diet actually is for those who might be new to the show or you know less familiar. We're talking about plant based, but this is a very specific version of plant based. Yeah. So well, for the engine two, engine two diet or you prevent reverse. Well, yeah. So those are even two gradations of yeah, uh, you know yeah. even more. But you know we could start with engine two. Yeah. So engine two. Um, 
So for the people that don't know, um, you know, Engine 2 basically is called Engine 2 because I was able to get a bunch of firefighters in Austin, Texas to uh, drop the... The, because you were the, a firefighter, we we're gonna we're gonna track your story. You're getting ahead of me, but like it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you yeah. are a firefighter, and yeah. you were at Engine Two here Fire, in Austin. Firefighter Engine Two helped save a fellow firefighter's basically uh, uh, destiny with a heart attack by uh, by eating plant strong following the engine two program but you and, had a contest right like you made it fun for all of these guys that you were working with oh yeah yeah no we yeah i mean we we had a little bar bet sitting out on the porch that hey guys let's you know who who, who we thought was the healthiest and uh we decided you know what to follow through on this bet we're going to go down to the lab and we're going to get our cholesterols checked and see who's got the lowest cholesterol and that was when uh one of my firefighting brothers his cholesterol came back at 344 at the age of 33, mm-hmm. and you know, most most humans, uh, or most Americans rather, have a cholesterol between 200 and 225. JR was 344, his, his uh, father had triple bypass at 50, his grandfather died before the age of 50, his great-grandfather died before the age of 51. And so he was, uh, he was just following down, right, that, uh, that family path there. And so, um, JR was uh, and the team and the crew there. They were like game to to, mm-hmm. to jump on board and and try this. And so in 2003, uh, we started eating a lot of fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans, limited amounts of nuts and seeds. You know, no no extracted oils. You know, so we're not doing olive oil, canola oil, safflower, any of these oils. And uh, within 28 days, JR's cholesterol came down uh, 148 points. It's unbelievable. Yeah, 148 points, dropped dropped uh, about 14 pounds, increase in energy, um, you know, all, all the things that happen, acid, acid reflux, indigestion, bowel movement, function, all that stuff. So, And that caught the attention of the media, right? So suddenly there's newspaper articles being written about this. What's this guy doing at the fire department? Like he's got these guys yeah. you know, on this crazy diet and their cholesterol is dropping and people start paying attention to what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, uh, people started paying attention. The crowning blow was the New York Times did a, uh, did a front page piece uh, in like 2006. And then that's when it was like, Katie barred the door. I mean, we got we got inundated with with letters, emails, phone calls, postcards, just from people saying, mm-hmm. "Wow, you guys are an inspiration." You know, keep it up. Mm-hmm. And then that's when um, when I uh, got a lot of offers from literary agents and publishing houses to write a book. And I decided at some point, after uh, probably it was three months. Uh, after getting some a lot of these 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 phone calls and, and letters that you know what maybe I can write a book because forever I was like who am I to write a book I got mm-hmm. no business writing a book I'm not a doctor I'm not a health coach I'm not a nutritionist I'm not a dietitian I'm an ex ex you know professional triathlete that's now a firefighter but at some point I was like you know what maybe there's somebody out there that would benefit from hearing this from a firefighter, and I got a decent platform. Mm-hmm. And so, you know what, let's let's give this the old you know college try. So uh, yeah, I spent two years writing the book, decided to call it Engine 2, because that's where the whole thing you know originated from, that was the genesis of it. And um, did a pilot study to show the efficacy of eating this way with 62 guinea pigs. And um, yeah, so then the book came out in February 2009, 
and uh, that, that's how it all started. Yeah, that book blew up. That was it was New York Times bestseller. Yeah. Yep, it was a New York Times bestseller, yeah. and I was fortunate enough to be in a lot of the morning shows and stuff like that. Um, and uh, um, yeah, and then a couple months later, you know, John Mackey uh, read it uh, and uh, and became a fan, and he uh, uh, asked me if I would consider coming on board with Whole Foods to be a healthy eating mm-hmm. uh, advocate. And partner, and I said, you know, twist my rubber arm, right? Right. Yeah. And here we are at the Whole Foods headquarters right now. Yeah, that's right. And you just showed me your office. I mean, I obviously I know you have a product line with Whole Foods, the Engine Two line, um, <clears throat> and I'm familiar with some of those products, but I didn't realize that you have 50 SKUs. Yeah, close to 50. I think it's 47 exactly uh-huh. right now. Uh, we're we're coming out with uh, seven new SKUs here, just in a, in a, probably a month or two. But uh, yeah, it's it's you know so and for the listeners that don't know what a skew is because I didn't know mm-hmm. you know when I got into right. this into this business what, what's a skew. Um, basically, for example, uh, I've got cereals and I've got three different types of cereals. Right, got the Rips Big Bowl cereal, got the banana walnut, the triple berry, and the original that's got raisins in it. So each one of those is a skew. Each one of those is a skew within the cold cereal category. right? And so we've got hot cereals, we've got granolas, we've got hummuses, we've got crisp bread crackers, we've got soups, pasta sauces, pizza crusts, um, veggie broth, we've got two different types of soup, we got a, we got a firehouse chili, we have a Moroccan stew, and, um, and soon we're coming out with some insane, insane raviolis, and some amazing burritos. It's great, and they're all no oil, super low fat, right? And they all follow the, they all follow all the criteria of Engine Two, which is basically got to be 100% plant strong, right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to find any animal products or any animal byproducts in there. Everything's got to be low fat, so 25% of the calories or less coming from fat, and it's got to be all naturally occurring fat mm-hmm. that's in the food, right? And then everything's got to be low salt. And, and what that means is if you look at the number of calories per serving, let's say it's 220 like for the soup, the, ideally the milligrams of sodium have to be equal to that or less. Lower. So for example, most soups that are out there, you'll see that uh, there's 220 calories per serving and the milligrams of sodium are like 600, mm-hmm. almost three times the amount. And by, and by following that one-to-one, ratio or less, you're pretty much going to guarantee that your daily sodium intake is less than 2,200, right. which is kind of the upper limit according to the Institute of Medicine. Right. So we want to pay attention to that, especially considering that, you know, what is it, close to a quarter of the American adults are now on some sort of hypertension medication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just read an article this morning. The um, It was in CNN talking about how now we have more obese Americans than ever before, 40%. 40% of adults, 19% of children. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah, it's insane. You know, heart disease, number number one killer. One out is it still one out of every three Americans will die. One out of every two will contract some form of heart disease. Diabetes, 50% of Americans by 2030, they're predicting, will be diabetic or pre-diabetic. Yep. You know, I say it yeah. all the time. These are these are the epidemics of our era. And when you really, if like, sit and ponder those statistics, it's insane. 
Well, what's the most insane thing about it to me is that I think you know and I know that we could abolish all this literally in a matter of a year and a half, two years, if everybody kind of had this knowledge, knew the power of a whole food plant-based diet to not only to prevent, but also to reverse these these diseases. Mm-hmm. But instead, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're looking for procedures, we're looking for diets that don't work, we're looking, we're barking up the wrong tree everywhere we go. And it's just making it worse. People are more confused than ever. And um, it's, it's an absolute crying shame. Yeah. You are listening to this podcast because you care about improving your health and your well-being. But this quest is incomplete if you have yet to add my friend Dr. Rangan Chatterjee's Feel Better, Live More podcast into your listening quiver. An RRP favorite and someone I'm personally quick to call when I'm in need of good advice. From nutrition to mindset, fitness, and relationships, each episode is packed with the tools you need to become the architect of your health. Subscribe to Feel Better, Live More, available wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. There are certain rare people who have a powerful voice and know how to use it. My friend Amanda Decadene is one such human. The podcast is called The Conversation because it is the conversation. A groundbreaking series of raw and honest exchanges on the issues that matter most. Mental health, sex, politics, ambition, gender roles, and more. Listen to The Conversation wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. There is so much health information out there. It can feel overwhelming and leave even the most well-intentioned confused about what's what and who to trust. Well, the first person that I call when I'm seeking clarity is my friend and nutrition expert, Simon Hill, host of the fantastic podcast, The Proof. Each week, Simon matches wits with brilliant scientists, translating their evidence-based insights into actionable tools for better well-being. Subscribe to The Proof, available wherever you get your podcasts, and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. Well, on the confusion piece, it's a weird time because we've never had more immediate access to information than ever. Yeah. And part of that is amazing. And another part of that is, you know, creates that confusion, especially in the health and nutrition space where there's so much conflicting information and you know, people don't have time to read all this stuff and they're going to look at the headline, they're going to move on. Nobody's reading these studies. Nobody's taking the time to see how the studies were performed or mm-hmm. who paid for them. Right. And they're just trying to get through the day, right? And so how do you cut through that morass and get the truth out? Yeah, It's not as easy as it sounds. No, or they're gonna look at the headlines, maybe skim it, and then just look for some takeaways that allow them, right? Mm -hmm. To have their butter, to have their- Feel good about what they're doing. Their bacon or whatever it is. I mean, the latest cousin to the paleo that's just tearing it up right now is the whole ketogenic. Yeah, so tell tell me, I'm interested in your perspective on that because that that is on center stage right now. 
Oh, it is. It is. Well, I mean, uh, basically what they're saying is you can have your bacon, you can have your eggs, you can have your sausage, you can have your butter, and uh, as long as you kind of get your body to go in this, this state where you're, uh, you're burning fat, you're, you're doing minimal to no you know, carbohydrates, you put your, your body basically into this starvation state, you can, you can lose weight and you can fight cancer. And I, I, think it's, I think it's one of the most dangerous things that's out there. And uh, you know, I had, a, I had a woman at one of our immersions that we just did uh, in Sedona, Arizona. She hadn't had a piece of fruit in a year because her, her personal trainer basically told her that it's just going to add pounds like nobody's business. So mm-hmm. here's somebody that's eating bacon and eggs and butter and cream cheese and all this stuff. But she's not even touching a, a fruit because she's under the mistaken belief that it's going to go right to her thighs. Mm-hmm. You know, she's ninety pounds overweight, and you know, it's, it's crazy. But the whole keto thing—it's um, amazing how the whole Atkins thing just won't go away, right? As as McDougall always says, right? You love to hear you know good things about your bad habits, but you know it was Atkins, and then it was South Beach, and then it was you know Paleo, and now it's keto. It's like just you know just it's interesting how how the focal point and the conversation has pivoted like you don't hear so much about paleo anymore it's nah. all kind of moved towards keto and low carb um and and it's fascinating certainly at the crux of that is the fact that people want to hear good news about their bad habits because yeah. who doesn't want to be told that like they should be <laughs> bacon for breakfast it's like i get it but I think it's something more than that too. Like I think there's something about the way that 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 silo, that that camp, communicates to the public, and I think they understand. They're maybe a little bit more internet savvy and fluent in how we communicate in this modern age than perhaps our plant-based community is. And I mm-hmm. think there's something to be learned from that sure. about how we can improve because I I feel like. Um, we're challenged in really connecting uh, with people in a way that I think we're capable of. And I don't know what the answer to that is, yeah. um, but we have some work to do, I think. Yeah, and, and, and like for example, just last week, ABC Good Morning America did a, did a segment on the, the, this new keto book that's out there. And this beautiful news anchor was saying how, yeah, I've lost weight and, you know, I had breast cancer and now I'm fighting my breast cancer and look what I can eat. I can eat sausage and bacon and eggs. And they actually showed her putting butter into her coffee. And I can tell you right now, in the, the era that we're living in now, that thing has gotten basically, you know, forwarded on to that little five minute segment to more people. That book was number one on Amazon. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like, mm-hmm. it's crazy. And all that IGF-1 and casein and animal protein, like what's gonna happen? And carnitine and lecithin. The cancer. And insidiously destructive animal protein and cholesterol and trans fats and saturated fats. It's just, the list goes on and on and on. So what happens when someone comes up to you and says, yeah, but like saturated fat is not, like I read this, like that's been debunked. Like saturated fat does not lead to Elevated serum cholesterol. It's not that bad for you. We've been duped. That was, you know, that was propaganda by 
<clears throat> the sugar industry or, or whatever, you know, whatever vested interest. Mm -hmm. Like, what is your response to that? Because I'm sure you, get, well, you the, feel that all the time. Well, I would actually disagree. I'd say if you look at the, the preponderance of the scientific literature when it comes to saturated fat, you'll actually see that it actually does promote heart disease, that it, uh, it promotes type 2 diabetic insulin resistance, that it actually does fuel cancers. But, you know, really, to me, the bottom line is is that you're not going to find saturated fat in any plants. I mean, it doesn't exist in plants yet in, in some nuts and some seeds, right? right? Avocado, coconut. Coconut, coconut mm -hmm. right? Um, right. But fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans, it doesn't exist. So to me, the saturated fat, it's the lifeblood. It's really the lifeblood of the, the paleo keto program. And so if, you were to, if we were to say scientifically, definitively, saturated fat is contributes to all these things and it is a bad map pajama, they wouldn't have a program anymore. So they've got to, you know, stand up and scream and shout and say, no, there's nothing wrong with saturated fat. But look at what it- But they're at, better at shouting, you know, because <laughs> that ends up on the cover of Time Magazine or what have you. And what you just said gets lost in the shuffle. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and, you're, and then look at, look, at the, the, look at the friends that saturated fat keeps. Right, that whole laundry list that you and I just rattled off there, right? The IGF, right? The carnitine, the lecithin, the the wrong kind of de destructive animal protein, the cholesterol. I mean, it's just like um, that's what you're also getting with saturated fat, right? So let's just give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with saturated fat, but everything else that saturated fat lives with in the red meat, the chicken, the fish, the eggs, the uh, you know the milk, the cheese, the butter. The uh, the yogurt, you can't get away from it. Mm -hmm. All those things, but sugar. It's about sugar, rep. Well, some people believe it's about sugar. I don't. I don't think it's uh, 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 sugar's not the culprit. No, that people like to deflect a little bit. What about the idea that all sugar is the same, whether it's a fruit or a Coca Cola? No, it's not. Yeah, it's not. No, because like the fruit. So, the, I mean, um, the sugar that you're getting, for example, in a banana or an apple or an orange, right, it comes attached to the fiber. And that's the main difference. When it's attached to the fiber, it can act as a nice slow release of energy over an extended period of time. Um, but when it's just like pure you know, white sugar, brown sugar, molasses, or something like that, um, it leads to the the sugar highs and then the lows and and then uh, it leads to increasing triglycerides and potentially even you know elevating cholesterol levels. Mm -hmm. So, um, but no, eating eating sugar, fructose, sucrose when it's attached to fruit is like supremely healthy. And you know, I mean, you and I as as athletes, what's our our body's main source of fuel? It's it's carbohydrates. carbohydrates. It's not protein. It's not no. fat. It's carbohydrates. Right. And yet everyone is so fixated on the protein thing, right? I've been doing this 10 years. You've been doing it much longer. We swam together this morning. You kicked my butt. You were the fastest guy in the pool. You're 54 now? 54, You're rocking almost, it. almost 55. 55. You're killing it. So so what about this? You know, Let's just clarify things for, for people who are listening. This issue of protein and, and maybe even get a little bit more detailed about this idea that okay, well, you can get protein from plants, but it's not of the same caliber or quality as the protein that you would get from an animal source. Mm -hmm. No, you're right. I would say it's even better. 
right? It's a lot better. So uh, when I'm talking to my kids, three, eight, and 10, I let them know that, you know, in this house we eat strong food. So we're eating foods that are strong. They're gonna basically make you bulletproof to chronic Western disease. They're gonna give you an, an immune system like a Canadian moose. So you basically very rarely if ever get sick. And uh, in this house, we're just not gonna eat weak foods. And so that's why we're not gonna do red meat, chicken, fish, or eggs. And I let them know that it's a weak source of protein. Everybody thinks, it's funny because it's almost like a 180 from what we learned growing up. So traditionally, we thought that you know red meat and chicken and fish were strong, really healthy sources of protein. But the reality is, is that they're really insidiously destructive. They have a proportion and composition of the uh, essential amino acids, really eight or nine, depending upon what you think, that, um, that actually wreak havoc on our systems. They're very pro-inflammatory in nature. They actually raise cholesterol levels. Um, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about uh, IGF-1, uh, animal protein, especially those, the animal protein in, in dairy products can actually uh, turn on cancer cancer cells, initiate mm -hmm. and propagate cancer cells. And, um, and then, uh, you know, if you're a female, it also contributes to uh, leaching calcium from the bones because it creates a state of metabolic acidosis. Right. So uh, I tell my kids, like, listen, so the strongest form of protein that you're gonna get comes from, whether it comes from fruits, vegetables, whole grains, or beans, that it's very friendly in nature. It's not gonna promote inflammation. It's not gonna leach calcium from your bones. It's not gonna bash you know, like your kidneys or, or your liver. You talk to somebody that's having uh, you know, kidney issues, your doctor will have you go on a low protein diet because that animal protein bashes the living shit out of your, out of your, out of your kidneys. So, um, you know, and one of the things that I don't think people understand is that all protein, all the essential amino acids that are the building blocks for protein originate in plants. That's where it all originates. That's where like the true nutritional engine for all and anything that's beneficial and good in nutrition lives in plants. That's where it all originates from. So your proteins, right? If an animal has protein and either directly or indirectly, got it from plants, mm -hmm. right? If it's got vitamins, it either directly or indirectly got it from plants. If it's got minerals, same thing, right? That's where it all starts. One of the things that you hear consistently <clears throat> from athletes on a plant-based diet or athletes that, that transition to a plant-based diet is that suddenly their recovery is enhanced, right? And you kind of touched on it a minute ago. Uh, and I think it has to do, and I'm interested in your thoughts on this, it has to do with you're eating much more uh, anti-inflammatory foods, right? So you're not eating all these inflammation-provoking foods. You're getting your protein, but you're doing it in an anti-inflammatory way. And that allows the body to recover more rapidly, more quickly. You bounce back more quickly. You're less likely to get sick. You can go harder. You can go faster. You can go longer. Totally. You know, it's like, uh, it's like you know, nature's EPO. And, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then protract that out over a course of a season or a number of years. And that translates into you becoming a better athlete. Yeah. It's not that eating plants makes you a better athlete, but it sets you up to pursue a better trajectory for yeah. success. Yeah, no, brilliant. You just said it beautifully. And the other thing, you know, I don't think people realize, uh, I mean, the, the cleanest burning fuel out there you're going to get is from plants. And as an athlete, uh, one of the things that is 
crucially important for us as far as our athletic performance is being hydrated, right? I mean, you uh, you get a little dehydrated, your performance can drop, you know, five percent just like, like immediately, mm-hmm. and it and it takes eight times more water to di- to digest meat than it does plant-based products. And plus, look at look at all the inherent water that's in plants. I mean, fruits and veggies are roughly what seventy, eighty percent percent water. In addition to that, just the energy it takes to break down all those yeah. foods versus plant foods. Like you're, you have to exert yourself. That's why you get these food comas and these lulls in energy because your body has to metabolize all these foods and they're difficult to break down. Yeah, yeah, totally. No, I mean, uh, yeah, as far as recovery, as far as stamina, as far as, you know, reaching, reaching your ideal weight. I mean, you look, you look across, you know, all the, the pro sports that are out there these days, basketball, football, uh, baseball. It's amazing how, to me how many of these athletes are overweight, mm-hmm. right? They're overweight. Here they are. This is their profession, right? This is what they're getting paid, typically wonderful, wonderful money to do, and they can't get it right when it comes to their their diet and what to eat. Have you worked with professional athletes directly? I mean, there's a lot of them. That, I mean, every day, my Twitter feed, somebody sends me, oh, so-and-so is going, you know, plant-based, so this yeah. person and that. But it's like, it's interesting. You know, it's an interesting moment in time where a lot of these athletes are, are testing it out and giving it a try. Yeah. No, it's fascinating. I, I personally am, am not working uh, with anyone. I mean, I, I did get- But I know people reach out to you behind the scenes, yeah. you talk to people. Well, for well, yeah, like, yeah, I, I did, yes. Uh, for example, not too long ago, uh, the uh, the GM for the Atlanta Falcons, right? We've we've had several phone calls back and forth about me, pop, you know, going in there and, and talking to the guys. Uh, Tony, um, wide receiver, Gonzalez. Tony Gonzalez, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. He got kind of exposed to it with Tony Gonzalez yeah. back, uh, you know, several years ago. Um, but and for those of you that don't know, Tony Tony Gonzalez is the all time uh, reception has more receptions of any tight end. And after, I think it was like with three years to go in his career, he read the China study mm-hmm. and started going going plant-based. Um, but yeah, everyone, you know, Griff Whalen, right. you know, wide receiver, reached out to me a little bit, but um, yeah, here and there. That's cool. So during your swimming career though, you were just eating the average, whatever, like at the training table at UT. It was pitiful. Yeah. <laughs> it was absolutely pitiful. But you know what? It's kind of one of those things when you're 18, 19, 20, 21, you can almost get away with anything. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, you're burning so hot. And when you're swimming four or five hours, there's nothing like swimming to create an appetite. Oh, it's crazy. It's nothing like, like running, cycling, forget it. Like swimming. Yeah. But let's clear something up because just, but you can't, doesn't matter how hot the engine burns, you're, you, you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna burn off, you're right? Those, those atherosclerotic pl- plaques, the cholesterol, the fatty lesions, you know, whatever, whatever you're doing to start, you know, some sort of cascade of, of cancer cells. That you can't you can't do that. It starts early. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think we we tend to believe like oh, I'm young, I'll deal with this later. But you really start, you know, heart disease starts when you're very young. As soon as you start eating those foods, that's when it begins. Yep. No, we there, there's there's a there's we know from studies, right? Uh, poor you know poor kids who have died in uh, you know automobile accidents or whatever usually starts three, four, five, six years mm-hmm. of age. That's crazy. So after your swimming, so you swam at University of Texas, you were, I mean, you were all American, 
NCAA finalist, Hunter back? No, you know, you know, no. I was I was an All American, but it was on relays. So uh, I was I was uh-huh. on uh, I was four hundred freestyle relay. Yeah, three three years, three different years, and uh, we were we were top three. Uh, three years, but in, in an individual, want, do you win NC two A's? When no, it's no? kind of painful. <laughs> no, no. Uh-huh. So the four years that I was there, we got two seconds and two thirds. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. I think one of those years we lost to Stanford. I think that might be true. One was Florida. One was I think and then t- two were Cal Berkeley when uh-huh. uh, Biondi was there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and all of them are painful. You look back and you're like, oh my god, you know what happened? If if this wouldn't have happened, you know, we would have won by. You know, four points. You know, right? It's just, it's just crazy. And after, so after the conclusion of that, you decide you're going to dip your toe into into becoming a triathlete. You become a pro triathlete. Yep. And you were, yep. you had some good success. And that's right around the time when you switched your diet. That's right when I switched uh-huh. my diet. Right. Yeah. 1987. Mm-hmm. 1987 is, is when I started. You know, uh, what would be a 10 year career as a full time triathlete. And uh, yeah, it was. I mean, it was. Looking back, it was. It was quite a time. You know, I was just really. I was training. I was sleeping. I was eating healthily. Uh huh. Um, I was looking for sponsorships. It's uh, a tough life, man. It's uh, a nomadic backpack kind of way of living. It was. Yeah. No. It was. Uh-huh. It, it was. I was at the right age to do it, right? My early twenties. But uh, looking back, I'm like, God, I can't believe, yeah, you know what I what I put up with, what I went through, you know, sleeping on couches, uh, lugging my bike carrying case everywhere. Yeah. Um, and what's Papa E thinking at this time? Well, that's interesting. So, uh, I mean, gold medal, Olympic gold medalist in rowing, right? Right. So it's a tough act to follow. <laughs> well, in a possible, <laughs> possible act yeah. to follow, right? So, uh, but for, so for the first, I would say, five years, my father was my biggest fan. Biggest fan, like you know, would fly all over the the world basically to you know watch me compete. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was incredible. And then at some point, I felt like well, I shouldn't say I felt he felt like um, it was time for me to move on, right? Move on with my life, mm-hmm. get a real job, you know, um, grow up, and, uh, and kind of stop this child's play. And, you know, he wrote me this really, um, f- from his heart, just in looking back now that I have kids, just l- very loving uh, letter that uh, where he basically thought that um, I was chasing after something that was impossible for me to attain. And uh, it was like a fool's mistress and, uh, and that he could not support me any longer. Mm. Not financially, because he wasn't, but just could not support me uh, emotionally and all that stuff. That's, that's a rough one. Oh, it was intense. It was intense. And so from that point on, Around him, I was a closet tri- triathlete, uh-huh. right? And, uh, and so you I, still continue to do it. You oh, just yeah. had to. You're doing it. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. But I did it for another uh, another almost five years, and then it was perfect because at that in 1997, I was like I was almost 34 years old, and it was it was a great transition. It was time. I was like it was time for me to get out. I had right. had enough. I had had enough of that. And you had success along the way. Weren't you the first oh. out of the water in Kona? Like led the uh, race out one year. Yeah, no. L- listen, I was, 
you know, over the course of that 10 years, I became the, the one of the premier swimmers in the sport, came out of the water, whether it was Alcatraz, whether it was Kona, you know, Always whether it was all the these water. USTS races, typically first, if not first, second. And uh, I escaped from Alcatraz, I was out of the water six years in a row first, mm-hmm. led the bike, would usually get passed on the run by, you know, guys like Mike Pig, Wes Hobson, Scott Tinley, some of those guys. Um, I could throw down on a good day. I could throw down a 33, mm-hmm. 10K, and some of these guys, you know, 31, 32. Um, yeah, so I had some good success. I mean, I was considered one of the top 10 you know, triathletes at the short court distance, mm-hmm. the international distance, 1.5K swim, 40K bike, 10K run. I was never a an ultra-distance guy, right? I, I didn't do the Ironmans. I did them twice just to do it, right? Mm-hmm. I went to Kona. And my first year there, 1994, I came out of the water first. I led the bike for probably 40 miles. Right. You know, I had the helicopters overhead. I had the, <laughs> I had, I had the, you know, the motorcycles. I had the, the cars. I had, you know, yeah. ABC, Wide World of Sports. I, I wasn't pacing myself. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't fueling myself. <laughs> you know, my longest, uh, my longest, I think ride run going into that might have been you know an eighty mile ride and a three mile. So like, run. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna <laughs> flame out like, yeah. but I'm gonna oh. enjoy this until it. Like, for the yeah. most part, for the most part, right. and it's so funny because you know my the first person to pass me was was Dave Scott, uh-huh. and he passed me about my, probably mile forty right before you you know climb up to make the climb up to uh, Javi. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, Oh, he looked he, he looked amazing, you know, and the back of his 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 hamstrings were just like a stallions and yeah. I'm like, there he is, man, there's my man. <laughs> and uh and he ended up getting I think he got second that year to Greg Welch. Uh-huh. Uh, and he, I think he threw down like a two forty five, you know, marathon uh-huh. there. But incredible. But yeah, I, I you know, I just I never really had the mentality to do that the training that was necessary. To, to be good at the Ironman. Yeah, to make, to make the leap to the longer distance. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's a whole, it's a whole different beast. It's, it's a, a different sport. It's a different sport. Yeah. Two hours versus mm-hmm. eight and a half. Right. Nine. Yeah. Yeah. So you do that, you get the letter, you're underground for a while. <laughs> <I get that>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, all right, yeah. what's next? Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I continue doing my thing. I'm, you know, I'm living in, I'm living in Austin and um, that I absolutely, you know, love and adore. And then at some point I was like, you know, it's time for me to make the transition. And I'm like, well, all right, what do I want to do? You know, I, I know I don't want to do a nine to five desk job. And you know, what's my skill sets? And and I had some age group triathlete, triathlete buddies. They were like, you know what? You should like consider being a firefighter. It's like an amazing profession. No two shifts are ever the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's uh, usually we go out and ten or fifteen times a shift we're doing these amazing deeds and helping people and saving lives. And so I went to Fire Station One, which is the animal house of the Austin Fire Department, and I went on a ride out just to kind of see what it was about. And I was like, "Oh, this is this is like this is amazing, amazing!" You know, getting on the the fire engine, code three, lights and sirens. You know, going to an emergency. Uh, your adrenaline is pumping. Your heart is racing. You know, you're you're helping people, um, and you're doing it with a bunch, you know, three or four other guys that you become that become your brothers and sisters. Yeah, it's the, so fast. The camaraderie that you experience swimming at UT, right? Yeah. You get yeah. to like reconnect with that. Get to relive it, yeah. and but in a completely different environment. And so 
the, you know, that's the thing I miss most about firefighting because I've been gone now eight years is that is that camaraderie, you know, that that kind of fraternal bond that happens. I remember one time you said to me, it was on the cusp of, you know, you really like breaking out with all the things that you're doing now, um, all these opportunities. And you're like, it's great. It's amazing. But, you know, I'm going to have to like walk away from being a firefighter. Like you were torn up about it. Like that's an embarrassment of riches. Like that's a quality decision problem right. to right. have. Right. But, you know, I just remember the consternation, like the emotion that you had around that, like yeah, that you were going to have to let that go in order to grow. Well, it's funny you say that. Um uh, because what happened is, you know, John Mackey, after I wrote the book, kind of, you know, pulled me into his office and said, hey, you're, you're you know, I'd like for you to consider being a health eating partner. And I said, you know, let me think about it. And I went home and I talked to my wife, Jill, um, and decided, you know what, this is really probably a once in a lifetime opportunity. And, uh, and I was having dinner at John's house and we walked out onto the, the porch and I told him, you know, um, that I was just kind of wrestling with this decision because it would mean me having to retire from firefighting mm-hmm. that I've been doing now for, for almost eight years. No, I'm sorry, 12 years. And, uh, and I remember saying, you know, Rip, sometimes in life, you know, you just got to gotta burn the ships to really fully commit. And, uh, and yeah, and so I went home and decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going to retire. I'm going mm-hmm. to... Retire from firefighting after 12 years, and I'm going to commit to do this thing with with, with Whole Foods. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's been. It's you been, go back to the firehouse all the time. Uh, you know what? I for go back, a while I go, at least, go, uh, <laughs> in the wake of that. I go. I go back to the fire. I mean, when I like, for example, for UT football games, mm-hmm. I'll go there and I'll I'll use the parking lot and go in and say hi to the guys. It's a whole new stable of guys now than when I was there. Um, and it's fun going to different firehouses and, and visiting and right. stepping into that environment again. But probably six to 12 times a year I go, right. go back and visit. I would imagine that, I mean, I think people have this idea that firefighting involves fighting fires all the time, but a lot of it is making these house calls on people who are having heart attacks and uh, stuff, right? So it's, is that true? Like no, you're, you're dealing with a lot of people that you're kind of dealing with now in a different way. Yeah. So yeah, it's sort yeah. of an extension yeah. of that same kind of work. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. Um, so I always tell people, typically in my talks, that you know, when I joined the fire department, I mistakenly thought that the majority of our calls would be these big old, you know, <laughs> yeah. house fires, and we'd be going in, and I'd be fighting the dragon, and sl- or slaying the dragon, and you know, rescuing you know kids and grandmas, you know, out of the house. And that's not the case at all. For the most part, 80 to 90% of our call volume as firefighters uh, across the country are medical emergencies. So we're going in and we're helping somebody with a diabetic emergency because their fasting glucose or their glucose has gotten too low. Somebody that's got having difficulty breathing, somebody that's got chest pain, somebody that's had a heart attack. And, uh, and they are actually not breathing. They, mm-hmm. they're, they're pulseless, breathless. And we have to, you know, start bumping on their chest and try and bring them back to life. Lifting assistance calls where we're helping people that are morbidly obese get out to the ambulance. Typically, eight or nine of us, putting them on uh, some sort of a. Well, they they have this device now called a mega mover, 
Uh-huh. Right? Oh my God. <laughs> and uh, Mega Mover, where you, you know, and it can hold up to a thousand pounds. Wow. That's but, a device we didn't need 20, 30 years ago. No, no, the stretchers, the stretchers themselves now, there are these hydraulic stretchers that hold up to, I think it's 1,200 pounds uh, because so many firefighters and, e- and EMS personnel were throwing out their backs, mm. you know, getting these, these, uh, these patients up onto the, uh, onto the stretchers. So, yes, we see. You get to go, yeah, the, acute, and personal. the, yeah, the acute version of the preventative uh, side that you now focus yep. on. See the devastation is caused by the fork, the spoon, and the knife. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm super proud to announce my next venture, Voicing Change Media. This beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof, with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda Decadene. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media. Now, one of the main things that you do uh, with Whole Foods is you spend half the year traveling around doing these immersion programs with the employees of all these stores all over the country, right? Like, how many of these stores have you visited? Well, th- that's not quite right. So, so what it is, they're, they're, so well, the immersions versus just the events, right? Right. So these the seven day immersion program, we usually do two of those a year, and one of those is 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 designated for. Whole food team members right. that are that are really you know that are sick and have to medically qualify to go. The other, and so that's two one week out of the year, and then another week is for the public. But I'd say six to seven months out of the year, probably close to a hundred to one hundred and twenty days a year, I'm on the road. I'm going to Whole Food stores. I'm doing customer facing events, basically shouting from the rooftops. You know, get plant strong, right? You know, stop stop the red meat, the chicken, the fish, the eggs, the dairy products, and instead start substituting all these healthy plant-based foods, plant-strong foods. And then I'm also um, in the back of the house with the team members. I'm also giving them a little like, you know, hey, guys, this is one of our core values as a company, right, is to promote healthy eating to all Whole Foods shareholders. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I was brought on board in 2009. Here's my story. You know, if any of you are hurting, if anybody in your lives are hurting, think about it. And we also have this product line that basically is a Whole Food Market exclusive brand, and this is what it stands for. You know, X Y Z, right? Low fat, plant strong, and and then I show them. I compare like you know a, a can of the Engine Two pasta sauce versus uh, typical. A can of pasta sauce and the difference in sugars and sodium and cheeses and animal products and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's me educating right. the and there's now there's almost a hundred thousand Whole Food team members across the country. Yeah, it's amazing. Wow. Yeah. So it's a, it's so, it's a never ending stream of trying to educate people. Mm-hmm. It really is. So yeah. So what you know, and I am forever thankful because because of John Mackey, I now have this bully pulpit and this platform. To basically take the message from the, my original book, the Institute Diet Book, and uh, 
and I'm sharing it with people, it seems like almost every single day of my life. Mm. Nothing. Yeah, I, could, I could not have imagined a more kind of uh, purpose-driven, fulfilling you know, life. Right. So Papa E's all good now. <laughs> right? That's actually very brilliant. You know what? So things with my dad are, are fantastic. And it, it, one of the beautiful things is that my dad and I now, uh, you know, you know you've, you've attended and you've been a guest speaker at a lot of our events. Uh, I asked my dad and my mom and my sister to be speakers at a lot of the Engine 2 events. I should say all the Engine 2 events, the immersion programs, our weekend events, plant stock. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a, it's really, it's a family affair now. It really is. Yeah. You know, it really is. And, you know, for the listener, every year you do this event called plant stock. It's at your family farm. And this is, this farm is insane. It, it, it dates back generations and generations. 1675. Like, was it the largest single family owned farm in the, Eastern Seaboard or something like that at some point? Close, close. It's, yeah. one, it's one of two family farms in the state of New York that have been owned and operated by the same family for over 300 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. It's beautiful. Yeah. And you invite all these people to come and you have this amazing speaker lineup. But the point I'm trying to make is yeah. that this is a family affair. And yeah. it's like every single person in your family is involved and participates and contributes, yeah. not just to this event, but to this message. Like, yeah. and, and to see that cohesion, it's really, it's really a powerful thing. It's yeah. unbelievable. Like, I can't imagine when you were, you know, a uh, 19-year-old swimmer at University of Texas. <laughs> this is what you thought you were going to be doing, right? Yeah. But it's really beautiful. Yeah. yeah, thanks, Rich. No, it's, it's, it is really beautiful. And I know you didn't come to this this year's plant stock, um, but it was. They're all amazing and Everyone's wonderful talking about and how special. This past years was the best. It was. Ma- it was really magical. I mean, uh, the weather was idyllic. We uh, we had two two of the jumbotron. Um, wow. screens uh-huh. instead of one because we had almost 600 people and there wasn't one bad seat in the house we arranged it big wide aisles didn't matter where you were you know you didn't have a bad uh, a bad seat you know the meals the food was was off the charts we had really good gender parity when it came to you know men and women speakers this year it was almost half and half mm. which was which is really important uh, for me this year and um Nothing like nothing like having two and a half days. We had a we did a big Friday night event this year. Oh, you did. So we had an ice cream social, and my dad told the story of winning his Olympic gold medal. Oh wow! And we actually That's showed a story. I would like to hear. And we actually showed footage of it. Yeah. So if you ever get my dad on the podcast, yeah, you gotta make that happen. Ask ask him to share that story with you. Yeah, I will. But um, and then here you are, you know, for two almost two and a half days, and what do you have underneath your feet? Grass. Amazing, lush. You, so you're firmly you're firmly planted mm-hmm. on earth, right? You know, and uh, yeah, and and everything's it's such a tight, contained environment there. And one of the things that's always made it special to me is that the speakers, for the most part, they always hang out. Mm-hmm. They hang out, and so everybody. Yeah, a lot of these conferences, you buzz in, you do your yeah. thing, you blow out. You know, you're not really participating in the event. No, but we're all hanging out in your kitchen, <laughs> you know, staying up till two in the morning yeah. talking or whatever. Yeah, but the participants also have access right. to you, to John, to you know, uh, Eric Adams, whoever it is, because they're there and they're accessible, and it's like, wow, you know, this this is really cool. Um, interestingly enough. We're not having Plant Stock 2018 at the family farm. Oh, why? Yeah, why not? Yeah. You know what? We just decided it was time to kind of shake things up a little bit. You know, we've, we've been there six, six years in a row now. And so for the seventh one, we're, we're moving to this 
it's going to be just as magical in a different way. It's the Blue Ridge Assembly. It's this, uh, it's this 1,500-acre campus in the Black Mountains of Asheville, North Carolina. And everybody can stay on site. Mm. And you know, there's different levels. If you want you know, deluxe accommodations, uh, economy, or, or uh, dormitory style. And so, you know, plant stock, it was like five ninety five, you know, just to come. And you right. had to, you had to you also do your – find a B&B and, and drive and rental car and all that. You fly into Asheville, take your Uber there, and then you stay on site. And it's like, you know, you can do econ- economy, four twenty five all in. It includes everything, right? I mean, yeah, that's cool. food, talks, mm-hmm. every session, and room and board. I mean, it's like crazy. I think the economy piece is really important. And when we talk about, you know, oh, you should go, ve- you should go plant-based, and we're talking about whole foods, you, you know, we, it's easy to start getting lulled into this idea that this is a lifestyle for the well-heeled only, that this is an unaffordable thing for most people. Um, I can't afford to shop at Whole Foods. I can't afford to go to plant stock. You know, mm-hmm. How am I going to mm-hmm. be able to do this? So how do you how do you think about and communicate around that issue? Well, um, <laughs> it's funny. You know, I was I was uh, I was in Boston not too long ago, and I had an Uber driver that was three hundred plus pounds was telling me how he's got young kids, he's got type two diabetes, and how he you know he wished he had the energy to play with his kids, and so. Uh, I told him, he said, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm actually, I'm a healthy eating advocate. And I teach people, you know, how to reverse their diabetes and how to get, you know, how to find their ideal weight and all these things. And he's like, oh, tell me, how do I do it? And I said, well, this is what you want to do. You want to avoid animal products, dairy. You want to start focusing in on plant-strong foods. And he immediately, well, one of his objections, he had many, but was, you hit him hard. I, he's like, I can't afford to eat healthy. And I said, well, let me stop you right there. I go, what you need to understand is this is peasant food, right? As soon as you understand this is peasant food, we're talking about rice and beans and potatoes and bananas, and you can do frozen that is like just as nutritiously sound, you know, buck 99 a pound, never goes bad. You just take what you need out of the freezer and you're good to go. But you kind of saying that it's too expensive to eat healthy would be like you saying, well, uh, I can't, uh, I can't afford, I can't, I can't drive because I can't afford a Porsche, right? Uh, I can't eat healthy because, uh, you know, a, a yellow bell pepper is $4.99 a pound, an organic, you know, and so, you know, you, you take that out of the equation. You, you, I say, listen, oatmeal. How much is oatmeal? Oatmeal's like drop dead cheap. Sweet potatoes. Uh, you know, pasta with a nice, you know, little little marinara sauce on top. If I had to, I could, I could live on probably about 11, 11 bucks a day eating this way easily, easily. And that's not even by, you know buying in bulk. And I bet you I could probably make it for under four bucks a day if I really was trying. Yeah, the the conversation about wellness gets conflated with superfoods and all these sort of, you know, essential oil, whatever it is, like all of these expensive, you know, top of the pyramid items. And the truth is wellness is, you know, being hydrated, getting a good night's sleep and eating the foods that that fuel you best and heal your body. And it doesn't have to be, it's not exotic, it's simple. 
But as human beings, we want to overcomplicate it. We want to know, okay, you're telling me that, but take me beyond the velvet rope. Where's the VIP room? You (laughs) know, like we want to make it harder than it is. And when you say it's, it's right, I mean, I could eat rice and beans with like hot sauce like every day. And there's plenty of times I do. That's exactly what I do, you know, on a salad or whatever. Like I, I, I'm fine with that, you know, but a lot of people want to make it harder. And mm-hmm. there, there, there's like this weird psychological resistance to just accepting like it can be this easy. Yeah, no, and it can. It can be cheap, and that's and that's why in, in in the new book that I wrote, the Seven Day Rescue Diet, it's all about building these like really economical, really quick bowls. The, the whole concept is about bowls. The whole recipe section, and and when I was writing the the recipe section with my sister Jane, and <clears throat> we were doing our pilot studies. We did one in Mesquite, Texas, and two in Cleveland with 180 people. We gave them down to the like letter, like okay, this is what you this is what you can, sh- should have for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We gave them accompanying grocery uh, grocery lists for everything, and nobody was following it. And it's because you know what, people they're 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 super busy. They don't have time to go grocery shopping. They don't have time to make, you know make these meals. And a lot of them were pretty darn simple. And so I said, Jane, we just have to let's meet people where they are. And so we've now got four different bowl concepts and for for breakfast, lunch, uh, dinner, and then kind of salads. And then, you know, you pick your foundational ingredients that you like. You pick, you know, your different like legumes that you like, your different toppings that you like, different sparks that you like. And then you're you're set. And so you do that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Find you know a, a, a core assortment of ingredients. And now these are no recipe buildables. Mm-hmm. There's no you don't have to follow one single recipe. Right. And people are loving it. That's great. Loving it. That's great. Yeah. So in the hundreds and thousands of people that you encounter, you know, during your travels and these events that you do, uh, you know, I would imagine you have a pretty good sense, like I'm interested in some of the success stories, but I'm also interested in, you know, what you've learned about the psychology and the, you know, kind of emotional component that circulates around healthy eating habits, what works, what doesn't, like what is it that is tripping people up the most or creates the most <clears throat> challenge for people trying to you know live better and embrace this way of living mm-hmm well the biggest challenge is always yourself right you're always your biggest hurdle and once you can like um, get past that yeah that's huge but um, yeah if you've had a heart attack if like if you're in pain and you're up against the wall that choice is easier but what if you're just you know yeah. what I don't feel good I'm like I'm just I'm heavy I'm lethargic but you're not quite at that pain point. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we um, so I just you know I just did a immersion with 80, 82 people in Sedona, Arizona, and um, most of these people are they're, they're overweight, they're sick, they're they're not doing well, um, and they've seen you know either forks over knives or what the health or one of these documentaries, and I think they realize that something about you know. This these documentaries, or they've read Prevent and Reverse, or one of my books. They're like something about this resonates with me, but I got to just figure out how to do it. And um, and so that's what I mean. That's what we try and do at these immersions. We try and basically show people that not only the you know why they want to do it, but also how to do it. And uh, but um, 
I'm just trying to figure out because uh, I want to I want to answer your 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 question, but uh, yeah, but I, I I think what I'm really getting at is just you're meeting all of these people. There's a lot of success stories, but I'm sure you meet people that like are sort of in that cycle of like they do it for a while, they fall off, they do it, you know, they're they're getting back. It's kind of like that human thing of like, yeah, how can we just like how can you just get it to click in with people and like what works, what doesn't. Um, I don't know that there's a magic bullet no, answer to that. No. I mean, if you talk to Dan yeah. Butner, he'll say, well, you got to make the healthy choice, the convenient choice. Right. You know, right, you, right. you can't try to get them to shift their mindset. You just got to make sure it's within their reach at all times during, during the day and yeah. make it that convenient and easy and accessible. Yeah. Well, that's all stuff that we, you know, we, 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 we talk about as well is like, yeah, you got to get, a, you got to get rid of all the barriers, all the, all the excuses, all the, um, all the things that are going to uh, wreak havoc on you. So we don't want this to be about willpower, right? And so we got to create an environment, obviously, in our mm-hmm. in our lives, in our houses, at at, at work, in the car, that uh, that's not going to have you like reaching for that pile of pistachios or you know reaching for the um, the cashews and. Um, I'd say one of the you know the most important principles that we teach people at these immersion programs is uh, calorie density, and so within the actual plant-based world, what foods is it that you can learn to eat until you're comfortably full at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and uh, and, and the disconnect a lot of times is people people think that they can have a couple spoonfuls of peanut butter that they can have you know you know, an avocado that they can have, uh, a little bit of oil. And, and these things add up in a hurry. And you do them repeatedly again and again and again. And if you're, you know, you have a genetic predisposition to heart disease, you know, forget about it. You're, you're not going to extinguish uh, those little hot spots, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to continue on. You know, and as my dad likes to say, he doesn't want his patients having one thimbleful of anything that's going to ignite their heart disease. So he, play, you know, he plays hardball. And uh, with the seven-day, the new book, the Engine Two Seven Day Rescue Program, <clears throat> you know, we're we, we, we're playing hardball too, um, because this is really for people that are trying to rescue their health. You know, you've got one of the the big four, you know, chronic Western diseases, and you're trying to address it. And we know, we know that if you follow this protocol, you can not only stop it, but you can reverse it. Um, so you got to create an environment. In your life, that's conducive to it. You ideally, you have people around you that are supportive to it. Um, you know, and if not, you got to figure out a way to enlist them so that they're they're not going to sabotage your best efforts uh, with this. Um, the, the whole human psychology. You got like, Ultimately, you got to want it. You know, it's like you you can't you can't will somebody into wanting it for themselves. You can you know, it's like you you can lead them to water, but you can't make them drink. Yeah. You know, it's amazing you can, how you can drop an alcoholic off in rehab, but if he doesn't want to quit drinking, he ain't, he ain't gonna quit drinking. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. And so it's it's amazing how some people they're self starters, right? They they get the information and they get it. It's no big problem. Other people's. Other people, they you know, they fight tooth and nail, and you know, they're just they 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 for whatever reason, um, they know that this is the way the path to go down, but they just um, for whatever reason they have a hard time making it stick. You know, I mean, it's it probably goes back to the whole pleasure trap, right? Mm-hmm. Doug Lyle, and right. you know, uh, you know, we're we're looking, you know, for 
We want to conserve energy. We're looking for the greatest amount of pleasure. And we're trying to avoid pain. And uh, everything about the environment we live in now in 2017 is, you know, I mean, look at where we sit in our self-driving cars practically now, and uh, we go to the drive-through. Uh, we're not exercising one iota. All the food is super, super, you know, uh, highly processed. No water, no fiber, a fraction of the vitamins and minerals, and it lights up our our brains like a pinball machine, right? All that salt, all that sugar, all that fat, and so you're asking you know, people to walk away from that. We're asking people. Well, we got to downregulate all those receptors in our brain to those things, and now we have to develop new cravings and new likes to, you know, steamed kale, broccoli with a maybe you know a little smidgen of no salt added uh, Benson's you know uh, seasoning to it, um, a nice piece of you know marinated. Uh, a cauliflower steak, a tofu steak, a whole grain, whole grain crust pizza with sun-dried tomatoes and and, and spinach and black beans and pineapples. Um, I mean, this this food can be so insanely delicious that you know it's just crazy. And so that's I think that's you know one of the things that f- for people that don't know anything about this is that ultimately. You're not, you don't have to give up anything. Mm-hmm. You just have to develop a whole new set of, you know, kind of taste buds, cravings, and uh, and then what 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 opens up before you is a whole new world of health that you never dreamed was was available to you. One of the things that I hear fairly regularly, uh, if you bring up forks over knives or the China study, is this knee jerk reaction like, oh, that was debunked. That was de- I, I read that that was debunked, and it's dismissed. It's just out of hand dismissed without and, and to even further discuss it is to is to you know be somebody who doesn't understand what's going on so do you hear that like do you how do you respond to that you know what uh i don't you don't no with fork, oh, i hear with, that all the time with forks over knives i don't and maybe it, maybe it's because uh you know my dad was one of the you right know, the uh the main threads going through it right he and colin you know, I had a little cameo in it, but I don't have I don't have people come up to me saying. Yeah. Well, they may not be saying it to to your. Yeah. They're not going to say it yeah. to your face, but there's sort of this meme on the internet, like, oh, that was. I, it probably began with Denise Minger's blog post, which I don't know if you're familiar with that or whatever. Which I think she recanted. I think she did recant that <clears> whole thing. <throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. The recanting didn't get as much attention as. The, <laughs> no, it didn't. Of course, <laughs> you it didn't. know. Uh, but that that's sort of a, a mindset that's sort of percolating out there, like, oh yeah, like that. No, that wasn't true or whatever. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I, I, I don't, I don't spend too much time like um, with all the naysayers mm-hmm. and all the people that are trying to debunk whatever it is. I'm just, I find I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I'm just plowing forward, you know, um, doing my thing. And um, uh, I mean, in my heart of hearts, it's like this is it. Like this is it. I mean, it's whole food, plant based. It is, or at least plant based. It's it's the answer to so many things that are like taking us down right now, right? It checks every box. It, it, it checks exactly. You know, <laughs> it does. It does. And and I guess it's just amazing to me that that uh, other people don't see it as 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 clearly as as we do. Um, maybe it's almost like a Republican, you know, Democratic thing. It's like. 
Well, I don't know. I don't know that it's a it's it's not it's not a per se Democratic no, Republican no, no. thing, but in the way that our the, brains operate, like meant. how we yeah. just we silo ourselves yeah. into some you know idea of the world or worldview that becomes very difficult to unshackle us from. Yeah, you know, yeah, whether it's religion or politics. I mean, food's right up there. You know, it really is. It's it's a difficult nut to crack. But with you being you know, on the front lines. And I mean, you're doing one-on-one, like you're face-to-face with these people all the time. And I can't imagine, well, I can't imagine because I, I have experienced it on some level, but that 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 when you see these people and you, you know, some time has gone by and you see the change or they give you a hug and they're crying and they're like, you know, you changed my life. Like this is, they have a new lease on life as a result of like this work that you're doing. There's There's nothing more gratifying or more worthy. And for me, when I get those emails or I meet those people, it's like, I just want to shout it from the mountaintops, you know? it's like, I want everyone, I want everyone to experience what that person just expressed to me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, um, I sometimes wish that uh, I had somebody filming Right when I'm doing, you know, an event or book signing or whatever, that and, can be arranged, bro. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I know. But but then the person that's sharing it probably wouldn't, you know, might feel a little self conscious. Yeah. But yeah. but um, just saying, you know, gosh, you know, you, I just want to thank you. You know, you, you know, you and your father, your family, you know, saved my life. And then they tell me their story, and it's like you know, they're like, oh, you must get sick of hearing this. I'm like, no, Mm-mm. no, never never get sick of hearing this. And then I let them know. I said, listen, you know, I, I appreciate you thanking me, but you know what? You did this. You did this. You took this information. You like, you owned it. And now look where you are. And it's, you know, congratulations. Big high five to you. <laughs> so we got to wrap this up in a minute, but I, I would love to be able to leave people with, you know, some takeaways. If somebody's listening and they're stuck, maybe they've tried to go plant-based, but they lapsed or they're interested. They just don't know how to begin. Like, how do you suggest that people embark on this journey? Um, well, I would start by reading some books, reading, you know, watching some documentaries. If you specifically want to, like, learn more about Engine 2, go to Engine2.com. We have an amazing Amazing community yes. and support group. There's a ton of resources on that site too. A, a lot, and, and, and around the launch of the new book, The Seven Day Rescue, we uh, created a, a private Facebook group, and we've now got over 22,000 mm. um, members on there. And it's the most supportive, loving, nourishing. Uh, yeah, I did a little thing. I did a little thing there. Yeah, you sure did. But, yeah, I don't know. It was like last year or something you did like January. that. And the engagement was crazy. Yeah. Like people are so into it. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a really beautiful community. Um, but, you know, so as far as somebody that wants to, like, get involved with this, I would, t- I would tell somebody, to, like, jump into my new book, The Seven Day Rescue. Because to me, it's, it's – I've taken, you know um, – the, all the data that I didn't have that is in this book since I wrote, you know, Engine Two. So since 2009, it's all these new studies, all this new data. I mean, it's just it's it, it's incredible. I basically break it down into seven super simple pillars that I ask you to follow for for seven days, and then you be the judge on day eight what you want to do going forward. Um, and then you know, do it. If you if you sign up to to do it, you get an email from me every day for seven days with an encouraging you know mm. uh, word of advice, and then also a recipe, a simple buildable, um, 
And then, you know, if you go in and then join the, the private Facebook group, you've got, I mean, so you got the book, you got the emails, you got the recipes, you got the community. I mean, and, uh, Well, the community piece and the support is huge, especially for people that are trying to do this without that, you know, support in their own home. Yep, yep, yep. That's crucial. Yep, yep, huge. So, um, yeah, and there's and there's so much cool stuff that's that's coming down the pike, you know, not only with 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 me, but with just you know, this movement, you know. Um, I know you know about this flick coming out called The Game Changers mm-hmm. in yeah. 2018. Uh, I, I think that'll like move the needle in a big, wonderful, amazing way, much like Forks Over Knives yeah. did. But but hopefully this will like really really speak to the men. That are out there. Yeah, that, I think it's are, gonna. I think it's gonna have a huge impact on people. Yeah. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. It's good, man. And when are you gonna? When are you? When are you gonna? What's What's your next uh, athletic challenge? You gonna get back in the pool? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah, I know. So uh, we'll see about 2018. You know, yeah. I mean, so I, I I miss getting the world record for 50 to 54 year olds. In the 200 meter backstroke by uh, by just a few seconds, and uh, but if I would have done it for 55 to 59 year olds, I would have gotten right the world record. So I just have to hang in there, basically. You got to hang for, in there for until January. Till January, and yeah. then you got to get it because when that movie comes out, you want to be able to get up on stage <laughs> and say you're a world record holder. <laughs> uh, right? That, yeah, maybe, 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 <laughs> Come on. maybe. I know, I know. It's so funny how you know we. Uh, I know. I I feel like I put I put so much pressure on myself, you know, or a fair amount in, in life, you know, with everything. It's like, do I really want to add this like to the to the list of things? I but, think, uh, yeah, but I think it can energize you, and I think it gives you yeah. it, it gives you a little structure, and then it it makes going to the pool easier because there's a purpose to it, you know, and it it, it fundamentally it serves the mission and the message that you're trying to get out oh, yeah. there because those kind yeah. of actions speak louder than words. You can yeah. get up and say whatever. But like when you demonstrate that <clears throat> athletically and you're more than capable of doing that, it's powerful, man. And people pay attention to that. Like I think it's important and I think I think it's you know, it's a worthy it's a worthy thing. It's not it's not a, like a silly whatever. Like I th- you know, and it's what you do, dude. I saw I was in the pool with you this morning, you're tearing it up, you know? Let people know what that's all about. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I also know the pain that's involved yeah. in, in Come on. In, uh, yeah. yeah, but you've known that pain your whole life. It's funny. I have known it my whole life, but it's uh, ready I, to let I, it go. I, ready I, to let it go. I had been removed from it. To uh-huh. the, I mean, like tearing it up in, in a workout is one thing, but like putting the gas to the to the to the, race. to the metal for a race that's almost two two minutes and twenty seconds, where you know uh, halfway through you feel like you're breathing out of your eyeballs and you know your legs are stuck in cement. Um, it's like wow, I'm 55, and I'm, and I'm. Do I still really want to like do this? And yeah, I, I, I guess maybe I do. But um, the pain, <laughs> the pain, it was a lot worse than I remember really? it when I was in my 20s and 30s. Two minutes of pain for the spl- for the plant strong universe. Come on, man, you got to take it for the team. I know, I know, I do. I, I think I need to, I need to give you a call maybe once a week and have you pump me up. I'm happy to do it. Uh, <laughs> if I lived here, I'd be at the pool with you every morning. So, cool, man. yeah, it's fun. Awesome. Well, great talking to you. Uh, as I iterated at the at the outset of the show, you know, you've been a not only like 
and a, a personal inspiration to me. You've been an, an amazing mentor to me, and thank you for all of the guidance uh, that you have thanklessly given me over the years. My life is indelibly impacted by your example and your work and your friendship, and I really appreciate it. And again, it's like the service that you're doing to the world and that your family is actively engaged in is, is really quite remarkable. And I just wish you only wind in your sails and great success with trying to impact as many people as possible on this, this mission that we share. Awesome, and before we go, let me just say too that when I first met you, at the Vegan World That's right. Health. Uh, it's like it, some tiny it, little thing in LA. Yeah, it was, it was in LA. It was, it, was, they, it was billed as something huge. Right, right. The, you the, flew out. It, it wasn't all that. It you was, had a little table. But, but no, but it, and I met you, and I met Julie there, and you had just gotten into this bike accident, and, right. and your lip, remember right. your lip? And, uh, but we, I brought you up on stage, and we had a little calf off to right. see who had the biggest calves. And I remember talking to you, and I remember like saying, you know what, you got a book in you, dude. Mm. You got a book in you. You, and were then, the, you were the first person to to sort of give me that confidence. And and I remember you introduced me to your book agent, and I had a call with him. I just wasn't ready. Like I had no, I, I didn't know what to say to the guy. And he was like, yeah, I don't know. You know, like rightfully, he was like, yeah, this guy's, I don't think this guy's ready to write a book which was a good lesson for me. Like I needed to spend time and really think about what I wanted to write. Um, but when I finally did, you were the first person that I sent, you know, the manuscript to, and you like, oh. you called me back like within, <coughs> within days. And, and you know, what you said to me, I'll never forget. Like, oh, I, was, I, I read that thing in a matter of hours. And I was like, oh my God, this thing is like, I loved how you just, you, you bared it all. And, uh, I didn't know. I didn't know all that about you know about your personal story and your personal uh, journey, and I was like, this, "This is crazy, man! This is beautiful." It was a beautiful, beautiful book, and um, look, I mean, and so right back at you, man! Like, look what you have done uh, since since I met you then, mm -hmm. right? And that was in, I think that was two thousand nine. I think that's right. Yeah, I think it was summer of two thousand nine. Yeah, and um, you know you. Um, it's so beautiful to me to see what you have done in this movement with your podcast, with you and Julie, you know, with your, uh, with your, with your events, uh, your books. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where we can both look at each other and say, Hey, you know, uh, we knew each other when <laughs> I know it's cool. And yet millions of people are suffering out there, man. And there's a lot of work to be done. And that's, that's what it's about. And we're, you know? Yeah, yep. I mean, it'll be interesting to see where where we are in a decade. Well, come back and uh, we'll reprise this <laughs> conversation in, in five years. Or yeah, like <laughs> since it's been five years since I've been chasing you, maybe we can do it in five years from now. But uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, awesome man. Uh, if you wanna if you wanna connect with Rip uh, Engine Two, is it Engine Two Diet dot com or Engine Two dot com? Engine shortened to just it, Engine right? Two. Engine Two. Engine Two dot com. At Engine Two on all the social networks and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, check out one of his. Check out Plant Stock, man. Plant Stock 2018. Yeah. We already have 200 people signed up. Are you? So how many, we, how many can you? We're going to cap it at probably 700. Uh huh. All right. Yeah. So get on that, people. Yeah. All right, man. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Thanks. Peace. Engine two. Plants. Plant strong. <laughs> yeah, plant. <laughs> awesome. All right, we did it. Super awesome. I hope it doesn't take another five years to get Rip back on the podcast. In any event. 
Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Don't forget, pick up Rip's brand new book, The Engine 2 Cookbook, more than 130 lip-smacking, rib-sticking, body-slimming recipes to live plant strong. The book comes out the day after Christmas, December 26th, available everywhere, but you can pick it up now on pre-order. makes a great gift. Uh, check out the show notes for this week's show on the episode page at richroll.com. Lots of links, uh, including links to the new book uh, to take your edification beyond the earbuds. Also, we've got a full video version of the podcast available on my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash rich roll. Please subscribe if you're enjoying the video there. And if you would like to support this show and my work, share it with your friends on social media, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave a review there as well. And we have a Patreon set up for those of you who would like to support my work financially. Thank you so much to everybody who has done that. I do a monthly AMA, Ask Me Anything video conference with my Patreon supporters. I just did that like 20 minutes ago. Uh, it went really well. I'll be making an announcement about next month's AMA soon. But if you uh, contribute on Patreon, then you are then available for exclusive content such as the video AMA. And I'm thinking about new ways of rewarding the Patreon community. We talked about perhaps doing uh, some fun runs in various cities when I travel or even perhaps one here in Los Angeles if there's enough interest and other creative ideas to kind of um, create community around my Patreon supporters. So thank you so much. Uh, that's it. Next up, we have a two-part best of anthology series, some of the best conversations over the course of 2017. So you can look out for that uh, in the following consecutive uh, Mondays. And until then, uh, be well, enjoy the holidays, ground yourself, be grateful, give freely of yourself, and be joyful. And I'll see you back here soon. Peace plants. Namaste. Yeah.